Um, Robin, will you pull up that thing for me, the the, the board, and, and put it uh, put it right right here so that everyone can see it. Guten Tag. Guten Mort Morgan. Oh, <laughs> Isabel and Isabel. <laughs> I could, I could just say Isabel. Morning, Robin. <laughs> he works out. He works out, guys. <clears throat> All right. I feel like it's kind of somber today. Is there a reason why everything's kind of somber? You guys are kind of somber. Are you guys tired? Yeah. You guys didn't sleep very good? Uh, my wife's in Nashville with uh, the two older kids, and I have the bottom three, and it is not, not good. Um, I thought I was a good dad. I'm not. I'm not a good dad. Um, Michelle, whenever I call on you, um, I'm going to have you come up and be the secretary. Can you guys see this on this side? Okay. All right. So how many times uh, do you guys remember when I've ever talked about spiritual warfare before? Anybody? Yeah, Katie, just a couple times, right? I haven't talked about it that much. Um, How many of you guys, is it like clear to you or is it kind of hazy? It's hazy, right? I mean, for me, because I, I always forget, because I don't sit in this, uh, in this daily thought of, oh, you know, Satan's trying to attack me, right? And if you're not sure whether you're a Christian or not, or not sure about all these things, this might seem really kind of wacko completely, right? But what I want to basically share with you is, <clears throat> is about when Satan comes after you. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because um, this week, last week, two weeks ago, uh, it basically started for me, not that I've had anything like super dramatic where like, you know, ha, 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 Howard, this is Satan, you know, like, ooh, you know, like, it wasn't anything like that, but I just had this sense, right, that as I was going into this ministry called uh, Truth About Muslims, it's a podcast, um, trying to help Christians not to hate Muslims, but actually to share the gospel with Muslims, to actually befriend Muslims, have relationship with Muslims, and it's been amazing, because people all over the world have been listening to this podcast, I think we, we, we got uh, the, the, the highest um, rating we got, not rating, but the... Um, Rank we got was uh, 13, kind of unlucky, but um, number 13, um, out of like seven, 8,000 podcasts. So we're like uh, up to 13. And uh, people all over the world have been listening to this family in Indonesia. They, they message us and they're like, hey, we've been listening to your podcast and uh, we've never reached out to Muslims in, in Indonesia. I think they're expats, ex- expatriates. They're just foreigner, uh, foreigners living in Indonesia. And so now they started a Bible study with these Muslims. And, and I have a friend that's in Yemen. And uh, Yemen is in, in the, the Middle East, and he's, he shares the gospel. He's like, it's a real encouragement. Uh, we have people in Turkey, all over the world, basically listening to this podcast. Well, my wife had this nightmare that Muslims broke into our house and, and, and killed us, which is not a happy dream, I think, generally. Um, and then Trevor, who's my co-host for The Truth About Muslims, he had a dream that Muslims came and attacked his house. So I'm like, oh, crap, this is not good. Right. And then we've had people like um, like a lot of our friends are passing out like this, this podcast saying, hey, listen to this podcast. And there's a bunch of, you know, people that actually hate us too. Uh, not I mean, not Muslims, Christians that hate us. And so we're just starting to uh, starting to feel this, you know, this kind of like this kind of a little bit of a pressure, this a little bit of fear. Right. And then Trevor and I kind of had this little mini falling out. If you know Trevor, he's really strong. Um, a strong personality. So we fall out about once a year, maybe twice a year, you know, like where we just kind of get in an argument and we don't, you know. But my old Howard, I used to be like, oh, it's not a big deal. And I just pretend like it never happened. But this time I just like took him aside. I'm like, hey, bro, we got to talk. And he's like, well, what do you mean? Because the next morning we were supposed to do a live chapel uh, at CIU, like 500 people, uh, do the podcast in front of like 500 people. 
And I was just like, we need to talk because I feel like you and I are like button heads. Um, but I didn't tell him that. I just said, we need to talk. And then he calls me up and he's like, um, can we just do it over the phone? I'm like, well, if you're busy, I don't, I don't really want to do it on the phone. Because I don't know. If I confront Trevor, I feel like, you know, it could go either way. Like he could be really mad and we don't talk ever again. Or, not, I mean, not that that's really the case. But, you know, there would be some conflict. And while I start talking to him and he's like, Hugh, I totally thought you were going to quit. Like he had this whole idea like he was working me too hard, that he wasn't being a good boss because he's kind of my boss. They pay me. It was awesome. I get, that's my second job. And, and he was like, oh, man, I had all these fears that I wasn't, you know, and I had all these fears that him and I weren't getting along, that I wasn't doing my job well and all this kind of stuff. So we were just kind of like butting heads about something that was completely opposite. He thought I was, he was working me too hard. I thought I wasn't working enough. And so we were butting heads. And so all of this stuff kind of started to, to pile on. And then, like, my spiritual walk, I just started to, you know, kind of go down in the dumps because I was really discouraged. I felt like I was kind of going back into my old patterns, you know, like depression and uh, just not being motivated and, you know, just struggling with, you know, just daily stuff, like reading the Bible or praying. And I was just like, man, what is going on? And that's when it kind of struck me, like, oh, this, maybe this is spiritual warfare. And I brought it up to staff, and we talked about it. And then um, that week, you know, I was doing a little bit better, but still struggling. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then Sean, Sean, do you mind if I share a little bit of one? So Sean, last night, um, we went to her house, and we prayed over her house. But she's been having, like, bad dreams this whole week. Um, kind of like that, you know, like, have you guys, how many of you guys ever experienced that, where you feel like there's a pressure on your chest? You can't breathe and you're awake and, you know, or have heard of somebody that, that's been through that, right? It's like a pretty common thing. And, you know, in science, they say it's like sleep, part of sleep apnea or something like that. But either way, like people feel like genuine stuff, right? And, and, and Sean was, you know, at her apartment and she was feeling like, like she was, you know, being attacked spiritually. And so she asked us to come over to her house, the staff. We went over to her house and we had worship and we talked. We read scripture and we prayed over the place and anointed with oil. I had olive oil, and I was, like, like wiping crosses all over the walls. It was pretty cool. <laughs> so she, if you go in her house, and there's, like, weird cross stains all over, because I did it. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> and, we just, and we just prayed uh, prayed over the house and prayed over her and prayed blessing over her, you know? And so all this, like, spiritual stuff, like, spiritual warfare stuff kind of started popping up, popping up, and I was like, oh, man, maybe I should start speaking on this. All right, so to, just to, just to kind of refresh, you guys remember that winter retreat when we were talking about uh, who God made you to be, right? And we talked about that scripture, John 10.10. 10, it says the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy, right? And so it's this idea that everything is spiritual. Now, in, the, in the passage that I had Shine read, uh, Ephesians 6, right? Uh, uh, this is uh, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Um, this is something that's, I think, hard for us to understand because when we're, we're so uh, cause and effect, something bad happens is because something caused it, right? Um, and we don't think in terms of spiritual terms, but what the Bible says here is that it's a spiritual thing, right? So these, these, uh, these, these negative effects, division, and we'll talk about a little bit more in detail in a second, but division, like where you're not getting along with your friends, that's a spiritual thing. Like everything is spiritual. Everything is connected to the spiritual. Now, I'm not saying like there's demons under every bush and all this kind of stuff. You got to blame everything on Satan. That's too much credit. Like we, we do a lot of our own sins and cause a lot of our own problems. But there is this spiritual element that we oftentimes don't take into account. 
And so the idea is that you need and we need to take into account. Does that make sense? All right. So <clears throat> some of you guys are thinking, okay, I, I, think, I think you're right. The Bible says that Satan is, uh, is trying to attack us, trying to steal, kill, and destroy. I get that. But what does a spiritual attack look like? What does spiritual warfare look like? Right? And this is where we're going to get into detail. And this is where I need Michelle. Okay? So number one. Oh, I have the clicker. Sorry. So what does spiritual attack look like? I'm going to click it. Well, that's kind of slow. Number one, there's opposition to someone hearing about or coming closer to Jesus Christ. All right, so let's make that really simple. Whenever, sorry. Whenever you think you're getting spiritual attacks, look in your life and see, is, is, this, is this trying to stop me from sharing the gospel with somebody? Is this trying to stop me from loving somebody? Right? So the, there's opposition, okay? So for instance, um, you might be reaching out to your friends in school. Right? You might be praying for your friends, uh, interceding for them, asking God to reveal themselves to them, re- re- reveal himself to them. Right? And then all of a sudden, you start getting into huge arguments with your mom, and uh, nothing's going right, your car breaks down, your, your parents decide to move. Right? Um, the, the, the fruit is that you stop becoming a witness. So to put number one, so here put um, uh, the problem and then put here uh, the fruit, okay? No, no, that's good. She's kind of a perfectionist. So the problem, uh, opposition. Yeah, put number one, opposition. And then uh, fruit is uh, you stop being a witness. So basically Satan's whole point, right? Satan's whole point is that his attack is going to stop you from being a witness. All of a sudden you get scared. I love these songs that we sang today. Uh, you make me brave. There's nothing holding me back, right? No longer a slave. You become fearful and you stop. All of a sudden, you're starting to become insecure. Maybe somebody makes fun of you for the way you dress and all of a sudden, you don't have the confidence to, to share anything with that person. Or maybe that person stops coming to, to, to school or, or stops talking to you, right? Uh, there's this one time that we were in Malaysia, me and my wife, and this big team. My wife, my wife was like uh, eight months pregnant. They almost didn't let us fly home. We almost had the baby in Malaysia. Uh, but it was, uh, my wife was pregnant with uh, Josiah. But we had this team of 16 people, and we were doing like some crazy, amazing things. Remember the, the boy that slithered like a snake for like a couple hours? That was on that trip. Well, there's these two girls that had come, and they were floating around. They didn't have a church. Um, they, were, they called themselves missionaries, but they, they were our age, and they were like, hey, can we join your team for it? We're like, oh, sure, we're Christians, yay. So they all come in and uh, join, and our girls start making friends with them, and they're kind of nice, but a little bit weird, kind of nice. And... Uh, and so we're just hanging out and doing ministry together, sharing the gospel with, each, uh, with, with people around, doing ministry, doing open air services, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, and then, like, after about a week, we get back to the church where we're staying, and one of the girls, she comes up to me and hands me a slip of paper. And on that paper was a bunch of verses, scripture verses, maybe like five or something like that. And so I take it, and I go back, and I start looking up these verses. This is at night before we're going to bed. And they're all verses of condemnation, like of God's judgment. And she said, this is what's going to happen to you. God's going to destroy you because you're in sin. And I'm just like, oh, crap. Well, thanks, I guess. You know, like it wasn't like a Hallmark card. She just basically said, this is, you know, God's telling you to turn or burn, basically. And I'm like, okay. And so I went into the pastor who was over the church that we were ministering out of. And I hand him the paper. I said, hey, this is what one of the girls gave to me, well, what do I do with it? And he started looking at it, and he started getting angry. Like, he got angry. And this guy is like, he was an Indian guy, um, 
uh, Pastor Elisha Sotvinder. And uh, yeah, and he was, a, he was an awesome guy. He was a younger guy, but he was like, he was like sharp as a whip, uh, came from Oregon, but lived in Malaysia. And, uh, and he called those girls in and he confronted them. He says, what is this garbage? And he starts talking about Christ and how Christ changed everything. And, and yet you're, you're bringing in like this uh, uh, accusation, this slander. Right. And I was like terrified because I was thinking, okay, what happens? Because there's this, now this huge conflict. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm thinking about my team. I have 16 team members, my wife, my huge wife, my, my wife, hugely pregnant. <laughs> and, and I'm like, what am, what's going to happen to my team? My team's going to split apart because of this. Because uh, in, in missions, when you go on mission trips, unity is probably the most important thing. That's why we spend a lot of te- time together before we go to, like, for instance, when we go to Peru. We'll spend time together to become unified. It's so important. And I thought, oh, this is going to just wreck my team. And I was like, man, this is definitely a spiritual attack. And so Pastor, uh, Pastor Sot, we call him Pastor Sot for short. Pastor Sot basically uh, rebuked them, and then they started to freak out in the middle of the talk. And one girl, she like, goes into a trance, and she's like, you know, I see the Holy Spirit weeping and all this stuff. And he starts yelling at her, get out. And, and uh, one of our team members, a, a guy, he escorts them and kicks them out onto the street. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> And, and this is like, I'm a young leader. I was like 20-something. I was like 23. I was 23, and I was like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do in this situation. Uh, young wife, young team, just trying to do the best I can, and I'm just like, crap. And so I just go, and I call the team together, and they're like, what happened? Because they, they kind of saw it, but they just the, the girls went to their room, packed up their stuff, and then was basically kicked out to the curb. We don't know where they went. And Pastor Sot basically said, those girls were from the devil. He says, they, were com- they came here to destroy your team. And I'm just like, okay, that's creepy. And so I called the team again, and I was really, really discouraged. And I'm like, man, guys, I just want to tell you what happened. And I, said, and I told them, I said, I'm afraid that you guys, we're, we're going to totally split apart and be divided because of these girls. And so I just kind of basically shared my heart with them, and they shared their heart. And then all of a sudden, it was so crazy. All of them just, it, we're in this room. All of them just started to share how important this team was to them and how much they value um, uh, me and my wife's leadership, right? And I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Like, this is not at all the way I thought it was going to happen. We came together, and, and after that, man, like, ministry was like, we knew that Satan was trying to attack us, and we just did the work, and it was awesome. And we saw people come to the Lord. We saw crazy things like the snake dude, the snake kid. Right? If you want to know that story, I haven't heard it, I'll tell you later, but it's pretty gnar. Right? That's the kind of stuff that we, we, we did, and God totally showed up that whole trip, and it was one of the most uh, life, life-changing trips, I think, for a lot of people on that team. But you, the fruit is, number one, the fruit is you stop, you stop uh, being a witness. It's not the solution, the fruit. <laughs> you stop being a witness. So Satan was trying to dismantle our team, creating disunity, right? So that we would stop being witness, so that we would stop being effective. Number two, you feel accused and condemned. This is what what a, a, a spiritual attack looks like. You feel accused and condemned. You feel like a big steaming pile of turd, right? And I think we kind of do that to ourselves too, but Satan piles it on thick. Oh, you suck. You're not a good Christian. I, I, I walked away from Jesus for like every year of my life from 13 to like, you know, 18. 
because every year I got saved and every year I, just, I, I would do what I always did and I was like, see, you suck. You're not good enough to be a Christian. You can't do it. You can't get your life straight. I thought it was all about me, right? But that's what Satan does. Satan wants to think that you're the worst Christian ever. But can I just say something? I don't care what, what sin that you deal with. Whatever you're struggling with, guess what? Someone else has done it. In fact, probably most of us in this room, unless it's like murder or something. Right? So, so stop thinking that you're the worst Christian ever. I mean, if anyone, Paul is the worst Christian ever because he was actually killing Christians. You know what I'm saying? So don't consider yourself in terms of uh, what Satan wants you to think. You feel accused and condemned. Um, uh, before I got married, I, I had maybe two relationships, like two serious relationships uh, before my wife. And the first relationship is like I was on fire for Jesus. And... Um, and we dated, and like our relationship was like this model relationship where like all the kids in our Bible study were like, we want to have a relationship like you. I'm like, oh, it's nice, because we're all holy. And I was like, you know, like 17 or something like that, I don't know, 18. I thought I was like this, this spiritual giant because I had a cool relationship with this, you know, girl that was a, a hardcore Christian. Like we were both hardcore Christians. And her dad uh, um, bought me this gold ring so that I could commit in front of the entire church. Seriously, there was a service. It was called True Love Waits. Have you guys ever heard of True Love Waits? So the whole idea is you promise, it's a promise ring. I, I promise not to have sex with her until I'm married. And so, like, we, I, my, her father was, like, my, my spiritual mentor, and he was, like, so excited for us because, like, you know, both of us love Jesus. And so he bought me a gold ring, 14-karat gold ring. And uh, he discipled me through this little mini Bible study, and then we went in front of the church, and he presented this gold ring in front of the entire church, the church I got, like, started walking with Jesus in. And he puts it on my finger, and he prays a blessing over both of us. And then that week, we had sex. (laughs) Sharon's like, you dog! (laughs) You dog! Yeah, I'm not kidding. We had sex. And, you know, I could say, like, spiritual attacks. (laughs) Satan made me do it! Um, But no, I mean, I had hormones, too. And she had hormones, and hormones, and hormones, and Satan. They just don't mix, so... It was bad. It was really bad. And so, like, I was, like, devastated. And my, my girlfriend, she was like, oh, we, let, let's, not, let's not tell anybody. We just won't do it ever again. Let's not tell anybody. And I wrestled with that uh, idea, and I was just like, I, I wanted to be a man, right? Because I'd never learned how to be a man because my dad was never there. And so I just, this is one of those things. I just wanted to be a man. I wanted to confess my sin and, and make it right. And it was really, really hard. And so I told her, I'm like, I'm going to talk to your dad. And, of course, you know, the blood drains from her face and she's freaking out and so I sit in front of their house for like eight hours because they weren't home <laughs> and it was before cell phones and like the only phone that you had was like their home phone and like they're still not there well, I'm just going to go over there and wait and I sit there and it was daylight and it was night by the time they came home I'm just sitting there like you know and of course like the whole time I'm thinking I, I need to run away you know like I'm terrified so like it was a long eight hours and I don't know if it was eight but it was like hours and hours and hours they drive up, and of course, I'm about to pee myself. And, you know, they come up. He's like, hey, Howard, how are you doing? I'm like, good. <laughs> you know, can I talk to you? You know, he's like, sure, come on in. And then my girlfriend, she's flipping out because she knows what I'm going to say. She didn't know when I was going to do it. I just told her I was going to do it. And she's flipping out because she knows it's judgment time. <laughs> Armageddon, you know. And so we sit down at the kitchen table, and she's not, my, my girlfriend's not even sitting at the kitchen table. <laughs> Um, she's, you know, kind of wandering around or whatever, and I'm, I'm talking to him, and her mom's there too, and 
I'm like, I just want to say, hey, uh, and I practiced this speech. It was the stupidest speech, but I'm like, I just want to say that um, I broke your trust and I had sex with your daughter and I want to submit myself to you. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. I thought that was like the coolest thing to say. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, <laughs> take responsibility. But to him, he's like, dude, I trusted you. You broke, you know, my heart. You broke my daughter. You broke my wife's heart, you know, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. And, um, he starts to yell at me. I, I don't want you to ever see my daughter again. And he starts screaming. And then my girlfriend starts to scream, weeping. And then my, my girlfriend's mom grabs her and holding her. And they're all crying. I'm like, this is the worst day of my life. So much for being a man. This sucks. And then I didn't have a car. So his, her dad drove me home. <laughs> Yep, that was my uh, <laughs> that was my turning into a man story right there. <laughs> but Satan tried to basically hijack. He tried to hijack what God was doing in my life. I was on fire for Jesus. My whole life had changed. I'd gotten rid of all my friends, stopped doing drugs, stopped doing all the bad stuff, right? And then all of a sudden, this one thing that was supposed to be really good, right? Satan was trying to hijack, and he tried to make me feel like a big steaming pile of poop. And I remember at the time, all my friends, all my Christian friends, they turned their back on me. Uh, at that time, you know, like nowadays, people are like, it's two, it takes two to tango. But back in the day, it was like, if you had sex with a girl, it was the guy's fault, 100%. Right? It doesn't matter if the girl raped the guy, you know, not that that's possible. But you get what I'm saying? Like, it's the guy's fault. And so all of my Christian friends, they all turned their back on me, and I was just kind of left alone. And I remember going to the youth pastor, and what sucked about this is my youth pastor, I started getting really close to him, and then he moved, like, like a week after I met with him, moved to another church, like in a different city. So, um, so I felt really alone. But I remember going to uh, the <coughs> the sanctuary. Nobody was in the sanctuary. The sanctuary where I promised, and the guy gave me a ring. Um, I just sat in the middle of the sanctuary, the stage. It was it looked like ours at our church, and there was steps. And I just sat there with my guitar. And this is when I first started to play, uh, learn how to play guitar and lead worship. And I just sang the song, creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. And I was just playing this song, and it was like echoing. It was, a, it was beautiful. It was amazing. I felt the Spirit of God. I was crying. I was like creating me a clean heart, and I was just singing this song. And uh, the pastor, I don't know if he teleported like Philip, but he, he was like right in this front row. And I'm just like, I opened my eyes, and he's there. I'm like, oh, crap, you know. And he started talking to me. He's like, you know, Howard, I just want you to know, right, that God has not given up on you that God is with you and he's still with you. It doesn't matter the mistakes that you make. And that, like, that moment, like, I think it, <coughs> it's stored in me, like it planted a seed for the future because I walk away from Jesus right after that. He moves, I'm totally alone, not discipled. All my friends leave me and I walk away from Jesus for maybe like two years or something like that, for a while. And I'm going back and forth, trying to come back to Jesus, feeling guilty. But I just basically walk away from Jesus because I don't even have a church. Satan just basically, by making me feel accused and condemned, he hijacked my spiritual life. Now, I'm going to give you like some of the tools so that you guys don't have to fall into that. But Number three, you start to doubt God's goodness. <coughs> this is a big one. You start to think, will God even really take care of me? Does he even care? Does he even know I exist? Does God even hear me? Because a lot of you guys pray, and you don't feel like God hears you. I get it. You feel like it's just bouncing back off the ceiling once you pray. But he does hear you. And Satan, when he attacks you, he starts to make you doubt God's goodness. And the fruit of that is that you, you, um, 
you don't turn to God anymore. <laughs> you haven't written any of the fruit. <laughs> you don't turn to God anymore. Number one, you're afraid to turn to God because if you, God's not good, then he's not going to do what's best for you and you don't trust him and so you don't turn to him, right? You don't turn to God. That's a huge, huge, huge problem because a lot of you guys, you get, things start falling apart in your life. A lot of you guys don't turn to God. You turn to your friends. You turn to the, the things that you always do to make yourself feel better. Uh, when you get older, when you're maybe in college, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's relationships, girls. Some of you guys have a uh, sucky life, so you date all, incessantly because you're just miserable and you want to get away from it. But when you start to doubt God's goodness, you turn away from God. You don't turn to God whenever you need help. Number four. A spiritual attack involves lies and deceit. This is the thing. Is Satan will always try to trick you that the thing that he wants you to do is better. It's all lies. Like, for instance, you guys have an argument with your friend. The lie is Satan will be like, oh, screw her. She, she's not a friend. Don't ever talk to her again. Just cut her off. That'll teach her. That's going to make you feel so much better. Right? That's the kind of thing Satan will try to trick you to do, to break relationships and keep them broken. Right? Or to not, have, not, not, to, not to operate in forgiveness. Or not to do the things that you know that you're supposed to do. You're like, oh, you don't have time. You're too busy to read the Bible. You're too busy to pray. You've you got an exam next week. Right? And he just keeps you. He, li- he lies you. That's all this spiritual attack. And all of a sudden, you're filling yourself up with things that do not matter. Lies and deceit. And then number five, I think this is the, the most dangerous one, is that uh, a spiritual attack makes you want to leave the pack. It makes you want to isolate yourself. Let me write that down. Goodness, Matthew. A spiritual attack makes you want to leave the pack. If you are wondering if Satan is attacking you, and all of a sudden you find yourself alone, where you're just not talking to people, not dealing with stuff. And this is the case, man. Like, a lot of you guys think, oh, I'm strong enough. Like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's not a big deal. I'm fine. I'm fine. Hey, how you doing? You, you know, I heard about that. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And you isolate yourself. That's what Satan. That's exactly what Satan wants you to do. If you think about any kind of addictions, if you're if you're learning about counseling or psychology and things like that, if you look at the nature of addictions, the the problem with addictions isn't just chemical; it's that it isolates you from everybody. That's what addiction does. Like think about overeating. The person that overeats, right, uh, glutton, right, is the person that eats and uh, tries to eat a normal amount in front of normal people, but at home they eat like tubs of ice cream and like whole pizzas and subs and, right. And they, they isolate themselves because they're too embarrassed to do that in front of other people. Or drugs, when people are like, oh, dude, you know, I just smoke pot uh, occasionally. Uh, you're afraid to tell your friends that you smoke pot like every day. You, you can't even function in the morning if you, don't, if you don't have a joint or whatever, you know, because I have friends like that. You know, or porn addiction, where you no longer want to go out, you just want to look at porn. Or video games, where you spend 14 hours a day and you pretend like you have friends because they, they're talking to you in your headset, Right? I mean, addictions, what they do is it isolates you. It's Satan's plan. If you feel like you do not have anybody around you, right, that you feel like, you know, when your times are tough and you don't run to, to, to the body of Christ, that's, that's a sign of spiritual attack. All right, so how do we win? This is, this is pretty simple. You guys know um, most of these. Um, be protected. Be protected means put on the spiritual armor of God. This is what uh, those passages were for. Now, there, it, I'm going to like try to make it a little bit less confusing. And I've preached on this before, so I'm, I'm not going to go into too much depth. But truth. If you surround yourself with truth, people of truth, a lot of your friends, they just say what you want to hear. But if you have friends that tell you the truth in love, not like, you know, like, you're fat. You know, that's not nice. You know, 
They're like, hey, you should be healthier, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's what my wife tells me, or my kids, they tell me I'm fat, and my wife's like, hey, be nice. So, honey, you could stop drinking soda. Okay. You know, like, so truth, surround yourself in truth. That's good. Righteousness, right? Righteousness is two things, I think. Righteousness is also like living right, but it's also recognizing Christ's righteousness on you. So once you became a Christian, God, he sees you as righteous. And living in that really, really helps because that, that becomes part of your identity. Some of you guys grew up and your parents told you you were stupid. And you absorbed it and you took it and you, you really think you're dumb and you battle with that all the time and you get insecure. Some of your parents told you you're ugly. You're never going to get married. And you took that on as your identity. Oh, I am ugly. And you really believe that. But what you need to do, and just like that passage that uh, Julian put up in the beginning with the reverence, uh, reverence initiative, um, um, uh, renewing your mind, transforming your mind, Right? It's saying, I have the righteousness of Christ. This is now my identity. I'm not ugly. I'm not, I'm not stupid. My new identity is I am righteous. I am loved. I am valuable. I am lovable. Right? Um, readiness to share the gospel. Man, be ready to share the gospel. This is part of protection. It's kind of crazy. You think, oh, well, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that doesn't have anything to do with guarding me. It does. When you share the gospel with people, you're furthering the, furthering the kingdom. How many of you guys ever heard the, the best defense is a good offense, right? Le- uh, yesterday when we went door to door, we got to pray for two families. One guy came out and, like, he was in rough shape. I mean, he had, like, no shirt on and he had, like, stitches in his back. No staples in his back and his vertebrae. And he had this, like, uh, My Little Pony sticker or something like that on his chest, on his hairy chest. It was kind of weird. And he smelled of alcohol. He's like, I, I need prayer. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I really want prayer for my family. Like, what's going on? He's like, I have anger issues. All of a sudden, red flags are flying up in my head. His name's Alice, and I just prayed for him. I prayed God over him, you know? That's protection. That's part of doing spiritual warfare. Um, faith. Obviously believing. There's going to be a lot of things that you're going to see and hear and it's going to take a leap of faith. You've got to make a decision. Oh, I'm going to, you know, make it right. I'm going to forgive that person that, that hurt me. I'm going to, you know, do what God's told me to do. And it takes faith. It's not, it's, it's not going to be logic. I can sit here and try to logically prove to you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and, and, and you're the Savior of the world. Um, but there's going to be a moment where you need faith to believe that. It's not going to just all add up. Salvation. Remembering where you are. You are no longer that old creation. You are brand new. Right? That's protection. And that's part of that identity thing. Like, you think you're, you're still, if you think you're on the verge of being unsaved, if you think that you get unsaved every time you sin, you've got a problem. Helmet of salvation, man. It keeps you straight. It makes you understand, okay, Jesus Christ did it for me, and he's far bigger than any of my behavior, any of my mistakes, any of my decisions, even my blatant sin, even my rebelliousness. Jesus is bigger than that. So you're not going to be walking, uh, I'm not saved here, I'm saved here. I'm sa-, you know, like a lot of people live like that. And then, uh, Word of God. If you're not in a ba- Matthew Bible study, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to manipulate you, but just in case you um, you should know the Word of God. You should read the Bible, right? Our staff, we're reading the Bible. You can pick up where we are, and you can even join our discussion if you want to. But read the Bible. Get to know the Word. Come to college Bible study. We're, we're going through the book of Acts. We're going through the book of Matthew, the Matthew Bible study. You know, we're reading through Exodus right now with the, with the, the, the staff. Like, we're, we're immersed in the Word because we really believe that it's, it's, it's part of protection, being protected, knowing the Word of God. 
because Satan will try to lie to you when you know the truth. It, it doesn't help. I mean, it, he, he's not effective. And then, of course, prayer. Be prayerful is number two. Pray even when you don't feel like it. That's, that's the thing. <clears throat> A lot of you think that your spirituality is all about what you feel like doing, but it's not. Right? That's part of discipline. Like, I, let's say I don't feel like being faithful to my wife. Right? Does my wife understand that when I don't feel faithful, I can, I can commit adultery and it's okay because I didn't feel like it? No, she would be like, get out of my house, you crazy, and you're fat, you know? <laughs> That's what my wife would be like, right? No, she wouldn't. My wife's so godly. She would pray God on me and the Holy Spirit would come and I'd convulse and stuff like that. She'd <laughs> but it doesn't, it's not really about what you feel. There are moments, praise God, like, you know, like on winter retreat, man, you come out, you, you come out of winter retreat or summer retreat, whatever, you feel like you're floating, right? You come off a mission, mission field, you're like, I am a missionary, you know, you think you're awesome and stuff like that. I mean, it's good. Those feelings are good, but you don't pray just because you feel like it. You don't read the Bible because you just feel like it. Very rarely do those things happen. Very rarely is something that is good for you is, is something that you just naturally want to do. Like, I don't ever want to eat kale, ever. Kale is like, it's just nasty. I don't care what you do with it. It's just gross. It's always gross. But I should eat it. It's really good for me. Right? Vegetables. Like, I want to eat, like, Chinese food. Not, not, not like China Chinese food, like American fat people Chinese food. <laughs> right? With, like, chemicals in it. That's just good. Right? But that's not good for me. That's easy to do. Not praying is easy to do. Not reading the Bible is easy to do. That's not what God's calling you to do. Don't wait till you feel like it. Tell God how you feel. That's, that's a big one. Like, I, sometimes, you know, like, I get into this mode where I'm like, dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for this. And, like, it's like, you don't talk like that, Howard. Why are you praying like that? And so I just start to talk. I'm like, Jesus, man, today was a tough day. My kids called me fat, you know. <laughs> the youth, they're, they're, they're sinning all the time. They're playing video games. And I just talk to Jesus, like, you know, like, like, like I just normally talk to him. And I also try to think of new ways to, um, to, to, to meditate on him, right? To think about how, how big God is. Because a lot of times, I, uh, you know, for some reason, the longer I sit, God becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. But then when you go outside, like, have you guys ever been in a hurricane before? No? I used to live in Florida, and hur- it was during hurricane season, like, hurricanes would hit all the time. And we never had to evacuate, luckily. Um, but it was amazing to step outside during a hurricane. And I'm talking about like, 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 um, uh, like level two, not like, you know, like the whole city's like underwater, like, but like, because we lived right close to the beach. We were right across the intercoastal. So there's like this, this, there's this waterway and then there, there's this waterway and there's this beach. And then there was a hurricane coming, uh, a bunch of them. And you just stand outside and you're like, I cannot believe how big God is. Or you stand on top of the, like in the Rockies when I was at like 8,000 something feet, right, in, in uh, Montana, looking out and just be like, oh my gosh, I cannot, I can't even fathom how God, God, how big God is. Or scuba diving. Hey, buddy. All right. <laughs> I just thought he was looking for his mother, but. Um, like scuba diving, you look down uh, into the water and you see millions and millions of fish and you see the depths and it becomes blackness because it's so deep. You can't see that, that far. Like you start to think about how big God is. So that's what I would, I would say. Be fearless is the last point. Uh, forget the horror movies. A lot of you guys watch horror movies. I'm not going to say that it's sin, um, but it, it, it's the opposite of meditation on how big God is. 
four movies is about how big Satan is, not about how, how big God is. And there's some pretty really demonic stuff. Um, if you talk about spiritual power, blood is spiritual power. Sex is a spiritual power. Remember those old thrash, uh, thriller uh, slasher movies back in the day, like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street? There was always nude girls uh, having sex and getting killed and blood in their nudity everywhere. There's sexual power, or there's uh, spiritual power in that. Um, high places, um, um, uh, get, uh, surrendering yourself spiritually, you know, uh, like w- if you see like voodoo or like um, Ouija boards or like tarot cards or like all that kind of stuff, that's, that's a surrendering, spiritual surrendering. There's spiritual power in that. So when you watch this kind of stuff, um, you're kind of celebrating it. You're, you're, you're communing with it. Um, you can't say that those kind of things don't affect you. And I'm not saying like a demon comes into you when you watch horror movies, right? But I'm saying it does affect you. Uh, even if it's the, the like anti-meditation on how great God is, it makes God very small because the Christians never succeed. The black guy gets killed. The Asian guy gets killed. The white guy always makes it. I don't know why. That's not right, right? <laughs> Joe's like, it's okay, I don't mind. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Anti-meditation, it's the opposite. But be fearless. Um, the Bible says the God of peace will, cr- uh, uh, will crush Satan underneath your feet. That's huge. That's, a, that's, that's powerful. Um, and that God has prepared an everlasting fire for him and his demons. So the battle has been won, but we're still living in the aftermath. We're still living in, in the war zones. right? And so you have to be ready. Know that your spiritual attacks will happen, especially when you feel like you're getting right with God, when, when things are going good, when you're starting to make right relationships, when you're starting to forgive people, whenever you're starting to move towards God, Satan will come and he'll start attacking you and he will isolate you. A lot of people don't come to church because, uh, you know, they're, they're doing great, 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 and then all of a sudden something happens that week and they're just like, I just don't feel like going to church anymore, and they don't come. That's spiritual attack. Satan's trying to isolate you, trying to nullify you. So kind of remember those things and, and be, pro- be protected. And like, I know that programs in the church are probably not sexy. It's not like sexy to be in a Bible study, you know? But those things protect you. It's, it's, it's not cool to go to college group every Friday when all your friends are doing something cool on Friday nights and you're hanging out at college group, right? But it's, that's part of protection. Going on mission trips, it costs a lot of money and you could use that money for new rims or something. Please don't buy rims. And... <laughs> And instead, you're using it for missions and going on mission trips or giving money to the poor. Does that make sense? Like, those are all good things, and I'm trying to encourage you guys to be a part of that, right? To engage, to be protected, and to see things spiritually. All right? Are we good? Here's the discussion questions. Um, Do you believe in ghosts? That's just an icebreaker. Farts. (coughs) Farts are just the ghosts of things we eat. Um, Julian has a lot of ghosts. Uh, number two, <laughs> share a time when you were under spiritual attack. Number three, uh, what did you end up doing? Number four, what would you do differently now? What would you differently now? Um, there's supposed to be a do. And then number five, pray for each other. Is that cool? Any questions? Uh, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, actually, I'm going to close in prayer too. And then the offering bucket's there because I don't want you guys to be too late. Um, the, that offering bucket has that cross on it. So I'm going to pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for everybody here. <clears throat> God, we are oftentimes blinded by the fact that uh, we just think life is all about us and we don't see the spiritual realm. And I just ask you to help open our eyes to be able to see what, what, uh, what is really going on and that you would help us to be effective, God. 
God, so many of us uh, go up and down in our spiritual walk. We're constantly distracted and dissuaded and discouraged. But I just pray against that right now. God, that we would recognize spiritual attack and that we would move towards you. We would rebuke the devil and move towards you. That we would continue to stand and move towards you. That you would make us courageous. So we just ask you for your grace on all of us. Open our eyes in Jesus' name. Amen.